0: Look how much better it would be if I could break this rule. Hello, and welcome to Good Bad Show. My name is Andy. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast where we discuss whether things are good or bad, just in general, whether things are good or bad.
1: This is the podcast where you agree with us for 30 minutes, right? Well, people agree with us every single time. Well... Wait,
0: okay. what? I don't think we're doing our job if that's what happens, Matt. I would like some people out there to fervently disagree. You know what? Actually, I forgot.
1: I should have clarified that. The show where you agree with Matt for 30 minutes.
0: Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Listeners agree with Matt. And uh, if I can challenge some people, put them out of their comfort zone, that's something I'm happy with.
1: There we go. We clarified that. Thank you.
0: Tonight, it's a topic that I... I, Some of these shows, I feel like uh, we could kind of like subtag with Devil's Advocate, where I kind of pick a thing that I think is good that other people think is bad. Yep. This is one of those shows, Matt. Oh. Hashtag Devil's Advocate.
1: Oh, no. Last time this happened, I got very upset with you.
0: you. Are you talking about astrology? Yes. Uh, you see, you say you think most people think it's bad. I think most people think astrology is fine. Just, just good point, or fine. That
1: it's fine or stupid. That was my point. That,
0: that, that episode does not fall under devil's advocacy. This one does. Okay. All right. Because the thing I'm going to make the argument is good tonight is bureaucracy.
1: Hmm. Okay. All right. I could... We can see how this goes.
0: <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll, I'll entertain this conversation. I might throw the episode in the trash, but I'll let you talk into a mic for a while and we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, this, this is free right now. So you say whatever you want. Oh, yeah, our time is worth
0: nothing. If we, all the podcasts we've ever made, if we've learned nothing else, it's that our time is not at all valuable and we can just afford to do this all we want.
1: My billing hours were earlier today. This is free time. All right. Man, okay. Oh, can you imagine we could bill somebody for this? That'd be great. Can we?
0: I guess that'd do be- people allow I guess that's that? I being like a radio host, isn't it?
1: What if we what if we just sent someone a bill at the end? We just picked a person. Oh, interesting.
0: There's probably some organizations you could just send the bill to and it would just get paid because That's kinda
1: of what I like. Because they just pay re- bills
0: that come in. Like,
1: how can you possibly know all the bills? I heard a story of a guy who just sent a bill, like somebody some company, some big company stole his photo and used it as like stock photography with no permission. So instead of suing them, he just sent a bill and they just paid it. You know why they paid it, Matt? Because they didn't want to get sued. Or actually honestly, I think they paid it because they didn't know. I think they didn't know not to pay it. They paid it because, they, because of bureaucracy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they either, there's too much bureaucracy and they had no idea what was going on or where this bill possibly came from, but they assumed they had to pay it. Or there wasn't enough bureaucracy. There wasn't enough things guaranteeing that all the money leaving that organization was actually accounted for properly. Okay. Let's start with why I think this is a devil's advocacy kind of topic. I think a lot of people don't like bureaucracy. You think that's a safe
1: assumption, Matt? I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Is it safe I think to
0: say that more people dislike bureaucracy than perhaps dislike astrology? Oh, I would say absolutely. Yeah. This is not really a thing where I feel like people ever come down on the other side of. It's very uncommon to find somebody It's like, yeah, you know what I really like? Standing in line at a DMV. Or I really like uh, submitting... A bunch of drawings to, uh, for a building permit so I can, you know, change something about my
1: house. Uh, you never hear a podcast sponsored by the opposite of Stamps.com.
0: Yeah, sure. That's You like standing in line at the post
1: office? Keep doing what you're doing. Not sponsored by Stamps.com. There you go. So
0: people don't like it. And people don't like it for selfish reasons. People don't like bureaucracy because it prevents them from doing a thing at the moment and time and manner in which they want to do it. That's that's me. I want to do the thing I want to do right now. In fact, and we all want to do the thing we want to do. I think that's safe to assume that. I, I don't want to. I don't want to portray like selfishness as a bad thing. I'm just saying that the reason the people will levy their criticisms against bureaucracy and send out their angry tweets about you know their local government or their DMV or their uh, whatever uh, is because they it interferes with their life in a way they think is is not in, not meaningful, not causing any good to happen. It's just meaningless bureaucracy in the yes. way and the thing that i think people don't realize because i should also say this will become a theme of devil's advocacy episodes the bureaucracy is a thing i used to be extremely against uh you know it, when i was a younger person when i was in college the idea that like oh i have to submit this paperwork for this thing and it's so stupid that i have to do this and have to do that uh it it was very frustrating and it felt like you know basically the systems of government and the systems of organizations, big organizations I was involved with, were just these enormous, you know, Rube Goldberg machines of just like moving parts, just writhing in a mass of cogs and paperwork <laughs> that never really got anything done. Um, so I think it's an it's a empathetic perspective to be frustrated at bureaucracy. And I will say that I think lots of bureaucracy is bad bureaucracy, but the idea of bureaucracy itself... Is beautiful and great because it's basically the idea of civilization right like the idea that we should have bureaucracy have some systems in place for managing things that otherwise seem completely easy or intuitive or obvious uh there's reasons we have those things in place we didn't just invent them for fun we invented them for reasons in almost all circumstances and yes i think oftentimes these systems aren't quite as optimized as they could be or uh, sometimes you do have bureaucracy that's in place for malicious reasons um, I, I think the legal system is oftentimes an example of kind of malicious bureaucracy where it's like you can't even get through this system if you can't afford to pay somebody $600 an hour to submit all the paperwork that you need to get through this system. Um, but the reason bureaucracy is so good is that we literally couldn't have society
1: without it. What does that mean? <laughs> That's so, a broad thing to say. Well, should we, start, should we start with a working definition of bureaucracy? I assume we just mean any large group of people involved in running a government.
0: You know what? Let's start with a specific example of bureaucracy, according to Wikipedia. Wikipedia, which is never wrong, defines bureaucracy as a body of non-elective government officials and or an administrative policy-making group. Uh, so basically, it's in government, it's people that are not elected, that are you know, parts of government that are putting things in place, and outside of government, it's any group of people that are administrative and making policies. Uh, it says, historically, bureaucracy was a government administration managed by departments, staff with non-elected officials. Today, bureaucracy is an administrative system governing, the gov- governing any large institution. So basically, it is the, the equivalent of the government for any big institution, right? It's just the, the way that the thing is structured and the fact that when you get to a certain size, you need a president and a CTO and a COO, and you need a board of directors, and you need VPs, and you need all these things that happen.
1: That's bureaucracy. A system of government or business that has many complicated rules and ways of doing things. Another definition I like. That sounds like a pretty biased definition. <laughs> that's, in, that's in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. I'm not just making... Well, Merriam-Webster must not like bureaucracy. I'm just saying that's another... It doesn't necessarily have to be a lot of people. It could just be many complicated rules.
0: Well, so that's the thing. I think the term has changed. I think there definitely is a, a connotation to the term of complexity, oftentimes impliedly needless complexity. Needless complexity. complexity. Yeah. yeah. It's just... Stuff that's there because it's in the way. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about my, my journey to becoming somebody that's more sympathetic to bureaucracy. Then we'll get into the reasons why I think it's actually pretty great.
1: How I learned to love the bureaucracy.
0: Yes. So when I was a, <laughs> a uh, responsibility-free young person... Uh, roaming through the world, living, living my, my, my journey and, do, and doing whatever I wanted. For
1: <laughs> when, my... you were, when you were a feral child and you didn't understand the ways of the world. I
0: was raised by wolves, and the wolves had a tight bu- bureaucratic structure of head wolf and <laughs> a pack leader. And I didn't understand that. No, um, when I was free of responsibility and just basically uh, you know, a, a being tossed about by the machine, by the bureaucracy of society and of you know, a higher education institution and of companies which I worked for, uh, I resented bureaucracy. It seemed only bad because my perspective was just looking up at this thing that I couldn't conceive of the reasons why these things were in place. I couldn't see the benefit. I looked around at all the other people, which I could see as part of a system and saw nobody apparently benefiting from this. So part of me believed it was just outdated, esoteric, something that had sort of run its run its useful life and now was just uh, you know a vestige of a previous era then. I graduated from college. And as some people listening to the show might, might know, I decided to start my own company with some friends. And we said, we're going to be the kind of company that doesn't have bureaucracy. We hate bureaucracy. We're young dudes. Bureaucracy is so bad. We want to just do our own thing and be free. Uh, this is something I think is extremely prevalent in technology. You see companies all the time talking about how, you know, Zappos is a woman that's notoriously has, you know, apparently no bureaucracy. Everything is just totally flat and everybody can you know, do whatever they want. And it just happens to work. And uh, oftentimes in technology companies, you see this idea of, uh, you know, very abnormal leadership structures or lack of leadership structures at all. It's a thing that people often believe they don't need because they've lived in the perspective that I had in my life growing up, which was this all seems bad for both the people in the system and above the system. It just is a needless machine. So we said we're going to be one of these companies that doesn't have all this needless complexity. We're going to be above that. And to some degrees, it works, right? When there's a very, very, very small company, just the people that started it, there really wasn't any need for complexity. There really wasn't any need for any bureaucracy. Uh, We just kind of dirtled along and did our thing and whatever. Easy enough. Then we started to hire some people. And when you start to hire people, you immediately realize that a lot of the things that you just took for granted before, because it was just everybody that was kind of on equal standing, started the company together have the same understanding of how the system worked, and we all just were kind of in quiet agreement about things, you start to realize very quickly uh, that you can't just be in quiet agreement anymore, because there's this other entity now or entities that are not part of that club, they are not going to have that same silent assumption, they might have completely different ideas, they might not even know what the sort of stakes are in a system like that. So you start to actually begin to formalize some things. Um, I'm going to give a few basic examples and I will leave it to our audience to use their brains to extrapolate. Um, One example, Uh, the idea that you should have a fixed number of days off per year and you get those days and you take them off and, you know, that's a thing. Uh, when we first started the company, we were like, "What? No, we're not going to do that. That's just oppressive. That implies that we like control these people, and we th- we only give them freedom for you know 20 days a year, and they just have to do whatever they want. And the rest of the days we own them, we do whatever we want with them. And we, so we're very kind of keen on this idea of just take off whenever you need to take off, like take some vacation, take time for yourself. And you know we all kind of will implicitly understand when you're taking too much time off. You know you shouldn't take a month off. We don't have to talk about it. We just you're going to know that's the case, which is. This utopian idea that bureaucracy is not necessary. And the reality of that, which you can find simply by reading, or you can find by trying it yourself, starting a company <laughs> and hiring some people. I, can, and I say, know the
1: end of this story. I can guess.
0: Yeah. It doesn't take a lot of really thinking. And, you know, honestly, we, we thought about this pretty hard before. We, we never actually made this mistake, I'm, I'm happy to say, but uh, it's easy to see how, how one might, might do it. Uh, the thing that happens in companies where you have that policy, and I've known people that have run companies with this policy, is that a good employee... Never feels like they are allowed to take a day off, right? You've basically told them take as much time off as you want and or need, but now there's this weird unwritten rule for like, all right, well, what is need? Do I need to go on vacation? Uh, I mm-hmm. don't know if I need to, and you know, if I'm if I'm if someone else in the office is only taking ten days off a year, am I a worse employee if I take more time than that off? Like, how does this whole thing work? So you say, okay, that is a clear example of why we do actually need to have some rule in place. Not because we need to limit the people that are gonna be taking vacation all the time and, and just you know, don't wanna work at all, but in most cases, you actually need to give the rest of the employees permission and say, look, the expectation is that you are going to take 20 days off a year. You're going to take a vacation. That's expected of you. Here is permission to do that. This permission comes in the form of a rule, and this rule has a number associated with it, and thus we have the sort of beginning seeds of bureaucracy but in that situation, I think we can clearly see that it's just good. It's only good to be explicit about exactly how much time you expect people to take off. Let me take this a step further, because right now, this is where we are. We have 20 days off a year to work for our company. You just get that, and the expectation is that you take it. Um, we've hired a few more, few more people since we put that policy in place, and now we're starting to realize that we actually have to go a little bit deeper, because you know, we hired somebody uh, in the fall last year, and one of the first questions he asked was, uh, how many vacation days do I have? And I was like, oh, if you check the handbook here in the, in the sort of wiki, you see you've got 20 vacation days. And he was like, yeah, but how do I accrue them? And I was like, you don't accrue them. You just, that's how many you have. You just can take 20 days off a year. And he was like, Well, when does a year start and stop? And I was like, Um, you just, it's like 20 days a year. So it just, you know, I don't know, like no 12 month period where, but then you start to realize like, actually we probably need the bureaucracy of days being accrued, which again, when I was an employee of a company, I was like, This company is being such a jerk. They're making me like earn my days off, like holding this carrot out on a stick in front of me, like keep working, you'll get those little days off you can spend going on your little vacation. And it just seemed like a weird punishment. And now I'm in this place where it's like, yeah, we put these number of days off here for a reason. And the reason was we didn't want people to feel uncomfortable taking time off. So should we basically go a step further and head off the questions of, can I take the whole week, my second week of work off? We should probably have those off in the past because, yeah, our expectation is that you're, you're not going to do that. You, like, technically, right now, according to the policy, you can, but we wouldn't expect somebody to do that. We'd expect somebody to you know, spend the first bit of time getting to know the company and understanding how work is going to be and kind of figuring out when they can actually take time. Uh, so, we're actually considering going a step further down the road of bureaucracy and adding another little section to the company handbook, which is here is the rate at which vacation days are accrued. And, we can try and be a little bit nicer about it, right? Maybe you do start with five. Maybe you can actually take the whole second week off if you want. Um, but we start to, you start to become very sympathetic to why these other things, these other aspects of bureaucracy
1: actually are in place. So you're, you're arguing you have a good reason for this new complicated rule you're adding to your system, right? I think the argument you're mainly going to hear is that it's a needless rule. You just gave a pretty good explanation. Are we going down the path of saying there are no needless rules? These all have a reason. If you're upset about it, you just don't understand the reason.
0: I think that is true way more than most people seem to think it is true. I think most of the time someone is mad, they have to do X to do whatever. Uh, the reality of the situation is they just do not understand the complexities behind why that thing is in place. Um, I don't think it's always the case because I think one of the symptoms of bureaucracy is that it's much easier to add than it is to take away, which is not a super healthy feedback loop for any system. Uh, It's very hard to remove rules, right? Like we make amendments to our constitution. We don't ever go rip parts of it out, even though uh, maybe we should. Uh, (laughs) We just make amendments that maybe change the things or add more things. And I think that's kind of true of a lot of systems, right? Like once something's in place for all kinds of practical reasons, right? Like, if you change a policy and remove something from it, you have to then make some like PR move to tell everybody that's subject to those policies, like, hey, this thing that you thought you knew to be true about this place is now, in fact, no longer true. Whereas if you add policies, you can kind of selectively tell people, like, oh, here's a new thing. You can use it if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. Um, I think it's always harder to remove things. So I do think, I'm not kind of authoring a a carte blanche, all bureaucracy is great and super great uh, kind of argument, but I do think that the idea of it is fundamentally good. And just because... There are instances where it's not executed perfectly efficiently. It doesn't mean that the idea is flawed and, and should be kind of thrown under the bus. So here's the other thing about bureaucracy: is that people are oftentimes blind to the to the good that it's doing, uh, which is similar to what I just said, right? That people uh, don't understand the reasons for why things are in place. Mm-hmm. But I also think once things are in place, people are completely blind, especially when it's on a high level, right? Like when we're talking about governments, uh, local or federal, state level, um, people take for granted bureaucracy because it's something that was always there. There were protections that were always in place. These were rules that were always in existence. And they, it's impossible for people to conceive of the world without that bureaucracy. Mm. Um, so in that way, people can kind of like appreciate the benefits of it and not give credit to the thing that is actually responsible for a lot of those good things about a place, be it an organization or a a state or a city or whatever.
1: I think there's the other part of it where uh, maybe even sometimes the needless rules are good if they're protecting a system that you don't want to change, right? Like there might be a situation where this system seems really, really good. We don't want it to change. So the needless rules are complicating you or stopping you from changing anything about it, right?
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Like in that case, roadblocks. the
1: intentional roadblocks so that you don't change this thing that is, you know, the belief is that it is good. Uh, you could use the constitution as an example of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, basically you're right. Like the constitution is a very prime example. Where they're like, hey, we've got these rules and we're going to set up a pretty complicated system of amending this thing. And yeah. that is valuable just in the fact that it's there, right? Just in the fact that we're going to acquire this much uh, overhead to amending it is going to protect it.
1: Right. If, it takes, if it's hard to change, well, then it's not going to happen that often, and so it's going to require a lot of effort, and hopefully, you have to really believe in something to want to change it. I can see that argument, but I also, like, all of my
0: intuition pushes back against that and says that the things that change fastest will progress fastest. Uh, admittedly, sometimes at expenses, uh, you know, if you are willing to, you know, quote-unquote move fast and break things, like, you're going to break things. Uh, which is not what you want governments to do. And governments need to have a degree of security about them because they are responsible for a lot of people's well-being. Um, but but yeah, I think there's a balance to be struck there. I think you're right. Having those, that bureaucracy in place to intentionally slow something down is a good way to make something that is uh, important, kind of insulated from whims of public opinion or uh, trends or uh, you know other things that shouldn't actually really affect something which is why you have this kind of uh these roadblocks that are that are in place there um, Yeah. so i think it's probably context where it's a it's probably for each context an appropriate amount of of complication uh and governments i think
1: rightfully so have a lot of it and, and i think i think the other thing that you see is the maybe it's a it seems like a needless roadblock but it might be because you know it's a government system it simply wouldn't be able to keep up with the demand if it weren't if there weren't these roadblocks in place and i'm That's that comes up a lot in the legal system, where it's just like, well, if we didn't have this in place, well, then there'd be even more frivolous lawsuits. So we just have to make it difficult to do. Or maybe that would be a case where it'd be good to have a couple more complicated rules to keep uh, a needless lawsuit out of the court system.
0: Yeah, I want to come back to that Um, when I kind of I want to end with a few things we should be very careful about with bureaucracy, and kind of to couch my my hearty recommendation in some in some words of warning. But um, the last thing I think that's really good about bureaucracy that people definitely take for granted is that the point of bureaucracy in civilized society is very, very, very often to protect people that are in a significant minority. Uh, If the majority of people don't see the benefit of a rule, there's a good chance that's actually protecting and doing some real good for somebody that we as society implicitly uh, or explicitly agree needed protecting uh, without you know, even though they're not of uh, the loudest voice or the sort of greatest in numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. In some ways, like bureaucracy is like the, the beautiful nugget of, of democracy, right? Like we talk about all the flaws of democracy, about how when you just submit to majority rule, uh, you're inherently going to have a system that disenfranchises people that are not part of that majority. And bureaucracy works against that. It says, yeah, you know what? Uh, here is a rule that everybody's got to follow. And 85% of you are going to feel like this is totally stupid and completely pointless. It doesn't affect anything about your life. But 15% of you, this is going to protect you from something. It's going to protect you from something that is really important. Um, you know, I think about the rights of renters relative to landlords and cities. Uh, all kinds of weird stipulations and regulations and city codes and bureaucracy that make it way harder for somebody to evict somebody out of a house. Uh, yeah, you could look at that and say this is a bunch of needless complexity. Look at all this extra cruft and extra, you know, whatever. But that's there because it's protecting people. Like, it's it's there for a very important reason that is all too easy to overlook if you're not in those people that are, if you're not in those communities, people that are being protected. And honestly, to go back to my previous point about people being blind to the good things bureaucracy does, it's very easy to overlook that even if you are in that community sometimes, because it, it's so easy to take for granted the fact that this is just how things are. Uh, and the reality is without bureaucracy, many situations, that's just not, the way you think things are is not the way things are.
1: When I was in high school, I went through a uh, libertarian phase. Did yeah. you go through this Ooh. as well?
0: Um, I, I had a day in high school where I was like, "I'm gonna think about politics for the first time." And I like Googled around and was like, "Which one am I?" And I like kind of did a little bit of light reading and was like, "Oh, libertarian. That sounds like the kind of thing that I am." Uh, and then you quickly find out. There's problems with it, but talk about your, I don't think I, I was basically like, I identified as that for like three weeks when I Googled it and it seemed right, but it sounds like okay. you, you went a little bit deeper maybe.
1: Oh, I, I, this was probably more six months or a year, maybe when I was, ah, uh, I don't know, 16 or 17, and I would listen to like, uh, libertarian radio where they talk about, uh, well, you know, obviously the part that appealed to me was like the social stuff that I liked about liberals, but also like, there's just generally being no rules, but I, I felt like I was smart enough to not say anarchy because that was silly, right? So therefore, I have like here's my legitimate political argument, and I'm very different now, which is fun when you're 16. It's very fun to be different, yes, <clears throat> sure, absolutely. But but that was where that was probably the first time I got a taste of the idea of like, what if some of these things that you just take for granted disappear? What if uh, there was no social security? What if, or what if people didn't have to have a driver's license? Actually, that's a thing. I'm sure you paid some attention to like gary johnson and like alternatives to trump now that that could be a huge problem and like one of the if you watched any of the libertarian party uh if you watched any of the libertarian convention like one of the big things was driver's licenses like why should the government have the right to do driver's licenses then one of the other scary things that came up is why should the government have the right to uh deal in civil rights at all why do we need to have any sort of rules about civil rights couldn't you just let people be good um (laughs) And that's that's one of the cases where, you know, uh, 16, 17 year old Matt kind of had to reel back a little bit and think, well, you know, there's something incredibly optimistic about no bureaucracy, no complicated rules, no kind of government system to intervene. Uh, Wouldn't it be great? Everybody everybody would be so nice. Uh, You could just trust people to be good. And you think, yeah, well, (laughs) there was a time before that and it didn't work out so well. Uh, and it kind of, you know, as time time went on and I got a little bit older, I started to think about it a little bit more. It pushed me more towards the side of like, well, I think, I think some rules are actually pretty good and they're for a reason.
0: Then you got kicked out of your cool punk community. They were like, get out of here. You think rules are cool.
1: <sighs> we're going to go vote for Gary Johnson. Get out of here, dad. This is one of those things where... I can in in some instances, I can say bureaucracy, sure, it stinks because these rules are poorly thought out, but it's not the system that I'm upset about. it's the idea that a rule is poorly thought out, but I don't think that's inherent in the definition of it, and there, but there are enough of these rules that I have to just come down the side of like you know i I want a lot of these to exist like i I do think that there's a place for this in the world uh where we have a safety net for people, where we have a system to protect people, and has much more to do with thinking through. The complicated rules than it has to do with some sort of sweeping statement about whether it is good or it is not good. It is useful. There's a place for it, and it is useful.
0: Yeah. And, you know, another kind of practical example of this is oftentimes you hear people that, you know, own a house, and they'll complain about the complexity of getting a permit to do something, or they'll be like, why can't I put my shed within a 12 inches of my neighbor's yard? It's just the stupidest rule. It's so dumb. It'd be so much better in my yard if it was there. Uh, but, but what if
1: your neighbor, Andy, what if your neighbor wants to put it one inch away from your shed? Yeah, but the, in they, your
0: shed. The thing is, they never lived in the city where that wasn't the rule. They <laughs> never saw the ramifications of those rules not existing. Uh, and so it's very easy to say, well, in my scenario here, look how much better it would be if I could break this rule but the reality is, on a very, very broad level, if everybody didn't have that rule, then you start to, you know, deal with a situation where there's sweeping changes to your environment that are not necessarily true. And I think are not necessarily good, I'm sorry. And that's um that's very similar to what you're saying, right? Like it's very easy to look at a rule and say, like, well, I don't need this rule. Like everybody I know wouldn't drive unless they, you know, were were good at it and they would learn how to drive a car before they set out on the highways. Like that, that's a thing you could definitely say or say, like, in this situation, this rule doesn't apply to me or I, I, I don't need this sort of limitation to, to do right in the world. But that's just not how these things work. We, we live in civilization. This is, and we, we need to sort of have, it's just like having that company where you say we're going to be explicit about the, uh, the ways that vacation is going to work. If you don't be explicit about the way that sheds are going to work on people's property or the way that operating a motor vehicle has to work,
1: uh, then you're bound to get some weird chaos that's going to happen the other actually, the other side of it I've seen that is very frustrating is if you're working in a company or with a company where there is a system in place, and actually maybe even whether the system works well or not, but maybe maybe the system works pretty well, and then someone in a place of power comes in and says, "We're going to change everything right now without understanding the system. that's also incredibly frustrating because without an understanding of why the rules were made, why things are in place, and what's working, to change everything can be a disaster. Uh, and it's incredibly frustrating to be in that position too, because, well, it may seem from the outside like this is not operating as, as quickly and efficiently as you might want. But to change everything now, like I don't think you can see the wrench you're throwing into the system and how much worse it can be and how disorganized it can be and how many problems we're setting up a year from now, two years from now, three years from now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Here's the last defense I'll make of bureaucracy before I get into some of the
1: caveats. What did you do, by the way? I was, I was coming into this with, uh, I'm going to hate this. Remember teenage Matt who hated bureaucracy? I never knew teenage I'm gonna, Matt. I'm going to fight against think, the system, Andy. How, how dare you? Do think we would have got along as teenagers? Maybe we would have we fought against each other because we were too much alike.
0: Would you, would, would you, enjoyed, would you have enjoyed hanging out with... Uh, Guy that didn't do any drugs, but still wore one of those drug ponchos most days. I <laughs> had, uh, had an anklet on, an ankle bracelet that I had on my ankle for like seven years. That probably smelled good. It was not, it was not pretty. Um, here's my last defense of bureaucracy. And this is, I will admit, a bit of an optimistic, rose-tinted glasses view. I think at its best, bureaucracy is actually kind of about the antithesis of what most people think it is. I think at its best, it's about true open communication. It's it's about being completely transparent about things, right? Like again, I'll go to the example of a city code. If you live in a city, you don't have to wonder what the expectations are of your existence in the city. You, it's been literally laid out uh, in black and white in language for you to go and read what the expectations are in terms of what you can and can't do. That's why we have laws and regulations in terms of uh, what the expectations placed on people that own property are. If you're renting, if you're buying a place, you can, you can figure out what, what the sort of shared culture of the city is in very explicit terms. People oftentimes think that bureaucracy, oh, here's a big, big giant PDF of all these words, and it's so long, and it's complicated, and it's it's trying to keep me from understanding something. No, it's doing the exact opposite. It is trying to make you understand it so perfectly and so clearly uh, that you can actually sort of fully grasp the sort of situation that you're in. And the reality is that most people don't care enough to understand something that fully. Uh, I have read portions of the Baltimore City Code. I have not read all of it. Uh, I'm somebody that's a staunch defender of bureaucracy and thinks these things are, can be really, really powerful. And even I have not gone through and actually read all the expectations of me
1: as someone that, you know, has a house in the city. So, so Yeah. Uh, it's optimistic. Well to be fair, like I don't think anyone reads that until they encounter a problem, and that's probably why they're upset about exactly, it. Exactly.
0: That's the thing. Uh, you don't read it until so someone you know says, by the way, you're in violation of uh you know 36B3, and then you're like,
1: oh this is the worst document. By the way, sir, you can't do that.
0: But but seriously though, like it's beautiful to me that we make an effort to say here are the expectations placed upon you in very concrete terms, like you want to build a shed, you want to build a wall, you want to have a garden, you want to have chickens in your backyard, you want to put a bathroom in on your third floor, here is how we expect you to do it in a way that is in keeping with the expectations that all of your neighbors have, all the people in this community share, uh, is something that I think is very meaningful. Uh, and yes, oftentimes it doesn't perform that job because people don't read it in that context, but still valuable.
1: Now, where's the part where we warn everybody about how bad it could be? All right, here's the part. We'll reward everybody about how bad it can be. In the same way that like the libertarian stance is one of is is one of uh, optimism, I feel. Bureaucracy with optimism, I like. Now there's the malevolent version of bureaucracy that is terrifying. You could re- you could read where we've we've all read a Kafka novel, right? Like it can get really scary, You right, could turn Andy? into a big bug. That's not the one I was talking that about. That would be very sure. scary.
0: <laughs> sure. The great big bug of bureaucracy. Here here's here's the problems with it. And this is, I'm saying this, take this with a grain of salt because I think bureaucracy is a beautiful, good thing that is oftentimes abused by evil, bad people. And here are the main ways in which it's abused. Uh, I'm very skeptical of large swathes of the American legal system because I think a lot of the legal bureaucracy is what I mentioned before. It is complexity there to basically put things in the way of people from getting justice uh, benefiting from the rules of the system unless they can afford to do so. Uh, it's, it's, you know, very oftentimes it seems that legal cases come down to who could afford to do more research and to find more weird lines in the law and do more sort of uh, thorough investigation and come up with more things in their favor. Uh, who can actually afford to pay somebody to file the proper papers? You know, a practical example, we're a very small company uh, that I work for. Uh, if we get a letter Uh, from google or from some other giant company tomorrow saying hey we're suing you for this reason here's the thing you did wrong do we have any chance of ever fighting that basically not like we would look at it and we would talk to our lawyer and they'd be like yeah do you want to spend four hundred thousand dollars preventing this from happening or you want to give up thanks legal system (laughs) so that situation and what i said was kind of you know it was a big hypothetical very similar things have happened to friends of mine that run companies where it's like hey uh, we had an issue with a much bigger company, and they were like, oh, by the way, we'll just squash you with paperwork. We will make it impossible for you to be able to afford to file a case against us. Um, that, that very much happens. So that's one of the examples of how bureaucracy can be bad. Um, in other situations, bureaucracy is actually used as a tool to like dismantle communities and specifically disenfranchise people. And one of the best examples of this is ridiculous voter registration laws in certain places that make it impossible for certain people that are by law, completely allowed and permitted, and are, uh, you know, deserve a vote, have a right to a vote. It prevents them from voting because some bureaucracy has been thrown in their way. Um, Gerrymandering is another great example of bureaucracy gone awry. You know the redlining in in uh, home loans in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, and still to this day, in some places, you would argue uh, that's another great example of bureaucracy that has been specifically designed to really just screw people over. Um, It can be used for evil. Uh, It's it's a powerful tool. Uh, So I think we should take it with a grain of salt, and it's important to look at the bureaucracy in our world and be critical of it. I'm not saying we should stop arguing about it, Um, but I think being critical of it means thinking carefully about the reasons why it might exist. And if those reasons are in fact malicious, then call it out. Let's let's, you know, stand up against those things. But oftentimes those reasons are actually just perfectly legitimate and people are oftentimes a little too myopic and can't see outside of themselves to understand that this rule, which seems to be just
1: in their way right now, is actually benefiting a lot of people. I think the most important thing you said there is that it's a powerful tool. I don't think it's a good I don't think tools are inherently good or bad necessarily. I think it's how you use them, right? So, it's not an undeniably good thing or an undeniably bad thing, but it's an undeniably powerful thing.
0: You don't think tools are good or bad necessarily? No. Interesting. Take a note of that one. Mm.
1: Oh, okay. This is where I come down on everything. Yeah. What a subjective thing uh, you've said, Andy. Ugh. Bureaucracy is neither good nor bad, but it is a powerful tool that you can use for whatever your purpose is. Well, this are. comes down. And if they're evil, well, then bureaucracy is being used for
0: evil. This comes down to my, my perspective of optimism, which is that I think that more is better in almost every case when it comes to humanity. Like if you introduce a powerful thing it, that can be used for good and bad, some powerful things can't be used for good, like, you know, nuclear bombs. Like, sure, that's just a bad thing. It's very powerful, but where's the good it can ever possibly do? Um, but most things that are just powerful tools that can be used for good and bad, I would argue are mostly used for good. Uh, can you take a bicycle and use it to distribute your racist propaganda? Sure. Is that a bad use of a bicycle? Sure. Is that mean bicycles bad? No, bicycles are great. You're just a wang.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll talk about that later, though. Uh, I'm glad we can agree it's a powerful tool. Um, I think people should be a little bit more sympathetic to it as somebody who has been on that journey a little bit. And, uh, Matt, I'm glad I could convince you unequivocally.
1: That Wait, did that happen? I'm just going to check you down part. here, Matt, as unequivocally convinced. <laughs> you don't understand. I've created these rules where Matt if you, uh, no matter what you say, Matt supports Andy. It's written here on this document. It's written here on this document that anything you do is agreeing with me. So, therefore... You can't escape this.
0: Okay, I have it written down here as uh, supporting the thesis of the show, so I'm glad we can get your vote when you go to the polls next week. It's good to hear.
1: Wait, actually, did you did you even give me a vote, or did you just take it away? Did you create some red tape so I couldn't even vote on this situation? oh no,
0: your you, your voice is being heard, sir. Let me assure you that your voice is being heard in in the highest halls of power of Good Bad Show.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. I see the yes and no check mark, but you put them in very complicated positions. I'm pretty sure I checked none of the above, but it looks like now i checked yes what happened
0: yeah the arrangement is uh it says the word yes then there's a checkbox then it says the word no then on the next line there's another checkbox
1: i i was trying to check none of the above what happened which one i accidentally voted for george bush i'm just glad we agree